Hey, good evening, and uh, been a long time, people. This is uh, Chris and Kent, or Kent and Chris, coming at you for Kenter at Your Own Risk, episode 19, in the May of the 2020, or May of actually just 2020. Um, tonight, we will be discussing our top 10 best horror sequels in horror franchises. We could not consider the first movie as part of our list. And I am doing okay. Kent, how are you doing, bud? I mean, it's it's May 8th, and we're getting snow tonight. Like, what the fuck is happening here, man? <laughs> I, was, uh, I was actually playing some video games with my mom, and my stepdad came in while I was saying goodnight to her, and he's like, yeah, it just started snowing again. I had to take the dogs in. And since they left sunny Florida, I had no pity for them at all. I feel bad. I feel bad for you, though. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm a shut-in, so it's okay. It's just, it's really weird, man. That, that's all. It's just a very odd, odd thing. And you know what? I want to do a PSA quickly to any listeners. Don't get fat and then get diabetes. And I'll tell you why. It's not for health purposes. No, it's when you talk to your doctor and you say, "Hey, doc." I've lost like 15, 20 pounds since I last saw you. You know what they say? They don't say, oh, that's wonderful. They say, man, you have diabetes. You're really obese. You need to lose weight. Like, no acknowledgement of weight loss. It's, you need to lose weight. So that's my PSA. I could understand if he was like, hey, that's really good, Kent. Don't lose another 30. (laughs) I mean, he just doesn't acknowledge it at all. Yeah, no, I got you. Yeah, yeah. I dealt with that today with my neurologist. I'm just like... Oh God, I can't wait to get a new, new neurologist. But uh, instead, you know, COVID and hashtag we're all in this together. And uh, yeah, I've been trying to find the most inappropriate times to say hashtag we're all in this together. And uh, Russ's mom's been involved in many of those uh, hashtags. Dude, Russ's mom hashtag we're all in her. I mean, get together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it'd be, yeah. it'd be really weird if Russ actually said that. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that would be that'd be unique to say the least. So, did you have any uh, any complications, or was this a pretty straightforward for you? Uh, this one, I was. You know, I, I knew a couple of them, and I was like, let me th- look through some lists. Let me do some research and see what I was going to think. Um, and like I was saying, there was. There was one movie that I, I just saw. I was like, "Oh, that should be on my." And I can't remember what it was, so I'm gonna go with my original list. And then there were a lot of movies that I've heard really, really, really good things about, but I just haven't seen. So you know, I can't comment on them one way or another. If you don't put them in your honorable mention, I'll throw them up when we get to that point. But if you're ready, oh, I, I I'm ready. Without any further ado, then, I will start with my number 10. And this one could have gone a bunch of different ways. I ended up having to ask my wife what what she thought, because I was like, I think there are a couple of them that are just about equivalently as good, but I went with Saw 2 for my number 10. I could have almost thrown 2, 3, 4, 5, I think, up there interchangeably. I liked them all about the same. Yeah, um... I mean, I'm going to touch on that too, but actually, screw it. No, I, I mean, because yeah. 
obviously it's on my list. Um, it's higher on my list. But the point is, is that like I had. All right. Well, I guess I should just say this now. The way I did my list, I just broke it down by the ratings that I gave when I do my blogs, which also I'm realizing that I shouldn't give ratings while doing my blogs because my mood changes my ratings, and I'm seeing some higher ratings for some movies that I know are inferior to other movies, whatever the case may be. You're in a good mood or whatever, or like stuff alongside, yeah. You don't like how sometimes you'll watch like a mediocre movie, but like just tickles your fancy, you know, like, and you're like, you know, that was a really good movie. So you might give it a higher, that was me sometimes. But anyway, um, to go back to Saw, like I realized I gave the vast majority of that franchise really good ratings. I think the lowest I gave was a 6.0 and I know I'm biased. I know this, but... I thought I would at least dislike part seven or something, but even part seven, there was parts I liked about it. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Saw, Saw's a really good franchise, and I, I hope history, you know, in a decade or so, looks back at the Saw franchise in a different light than the torture porn. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of how they look at it will be depending upon how well the uh, Spiral does. Can't wait to see Spiral. Can't wait. But, I mean, uh, you know, like, I'm not going to, like, go into all the way, well, to, first of all, to piggyback off what you were saying, where, where your mood can influence, like, how well you perceive a movie. Uh, you remember when we saw friggin' um, episode one? <laughs> yeah and the theater was packed and everybody was excited and you know there were so many people that we couldn't have more than two or three of us all to sit next to each other and we made kevin sit in line for like nine hours to get the tickets for all the rest of them <laughs> yeah and it was kind of a mediocre movie but i mean just the whole atmosphere of everybody in the movie theater being pumped to see it and being excited because it was the first new star wars since you know like what 1990 excuse me 1983 so i mean Seeing that in that venue made it a fun thing. And then going back and rewatching it with the first time, you're like, yeah, this was a shit fucking movie. But, yeah. um, no, it, it yeah. mood really it can influence, even if you're just simply having a bad day. But I mean, if you go the opposite way and you like make a big production out of it and you have a really good time, uh, I'll use Halloween Resurrection. As an example, realistically, that movie's not very good, but I had such a great night and I have great memories that I will always evaluate it a little kinder than I should. I mean, I I love Freddy Krueger. I've, I've gone into it before how, like, the idea of him scared me more than, you know, anything because my parents didn't let me watch it when I was a kid. But the, uh, the first time I actually saw Nightmare on Elm Street, I was 18, and I had gone and seen and saw The Sixth Sense which, you know, looking at it now, it's not a scary movie, but you know, the marketing was kind of all over the place on it because they didn't want to give away too much so there were parts that were creepy Yeah, the, the marketing was strong yeah. because of their like, you won't see it coming type thing, so yeah. the marketing was really good I mean, it wasn't really scary, but, you know, there were ghosts, and it was kind of creepy. And then immediately after I watched that, I went and watched The Blair Witch for the first time. And 
that I've, I didn't find the whole thing scary, but like the ending got me. And then as soon as I left the theater, I went home and Nightmare on Elm Street was on TV and I watched that for the first, and like just the three of those back to back in that day, Nightmare on Elm Street scared the fuck out of me at the end. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. Like you, you gradually increased the, uh, the scary, no doubt, no doubt whatsoever about that. Uh, Yeah. But to, to go off of that and to go back, like back in the, the eighties, late 80s, early 90s, when New Kids on the Block was a thing. Donnie was always my favorite. <laughs> so, you know, like when he showed up in Sixth Sense, I was like, well, it's kind of like too sh- small of a part to really see if he's going to be an okay actor. And then uh, when I saw him in Ransom, I was like, yeah, okay, he's he's pretty decent for, you know, coming from a fucking boy band. Um, but, yeah, I like I thought he did a good job, and like Saw 2 was about to point in time where like he started maturing to being able to like not necessarily be a lead but you know at least not make me laugh when i saw his name in the titles kind of performance. yeah like there was a little bit of there was an ounce of respectability to go along with the name suddenly it was nice um you know like the the supporting cast i like that they brought back everybody who was still alive from the first one yeah i i love that they uh I love that Dinah Meyer, Mayer, however you pronounce her name, she was in it for, what, three or four of them. And I always loved her from Starship Troopers, so, yeah. you know. And, uh, yeah, for me, too, I, from Johnny Mnemonic as well. So. Oh, yeah. Good call. And, um, yeah, like, I, I didn't think that the plot was super far-fetched, you know, and, it, like, the, the reveals in, in two worked for me. It wasn't, like... Like there were some reveals later on where it's like, okay, here's a twist just to have a twist. But right, yeah, you know, like the fact that you know you get to the end and this is all just stock. Well, not stock footage, but it's all already happened that you're watching it and the kid's been in the fucking safe and if his dad had just fucking sat there and listened to the dude, you know, or if um, Shawnee Smith's you know reveal that she's been come like a fucking disciple, you know, like. I, I think Saw was the strongest individual one just because it was, you know, so creative for the time. You know, there hadn't been much else like it. But if Saw 2 hadn't come along and been as good as it was, I don't think the franchise would have ended up being a good franchise. I don't think that, like, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Lay1L, maybe? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he would have stuck around and he, I feel like he was probably the heart, heart of the project and he cared like that whole story just carried on really strongly. And you're right. Without a solid sequel, we're looking at really, really a miserable uh, franchise that probably doesn't hit to, uh, well, we're going to get number nine, hopefully by the end of the year. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with that. I hope, like, I don't know if I would rather have it be a complete reboot or just, like, something, you know, like, oh, Jigsaw happened back in the day over here, and now somebody's kind of being, like, Jigsaw over in New York or L.A. or wherever the hell they're at. Right. Gloversville. Yeah. You know, Jigsaw and is kind of a scary fucking idea, actually. <laughs> that is really a frightening fucking thought. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, I mean, let, let's... 
I see no sense in delaying. We may as well reveal that our next podcast is going to be dedicated to the Saw franchise. So whatever you just heard between me and Chris is just the tip of the iceberg of what we're really going to kind of get in depth with. What I I, I have no problem saying by far the best fra- horror franchise of the 2000s. I would agree with that. And could you imagine how scary it would be if Jigsaw said, just the tip kit? That would be uh, frightening, but now all I hear in my head from that YouTube video is him nudging and just going, Gary, Gary. <laughs> Love that. Alrighty. Um, all right. So that was my number 10. Yep. My number nine, this could have been a toss up for two or three, but I had to go with two because it was a little more on the horror side and a little less on comedy, but. Evil Dead 2. Okay. Uh, I mean, I like all of the Evil Dead movies, but in my opinion, like Evil Dead 1, you know, I, could, I understand it was a remarkable filmmaking achievement for the budget and for everything that they were working with, uh, you know, where they got all the financing and the, the, the filming and everything, but um, it's kind of just okay as a movie. And when they, they leaned into the comedy to go along with the horror in Evil Dead 2, I think that's when the, the franchise really found its footing. You know, Army of Darkness is probably my favorite of the three, but I have a hard time classifying as a horror because of just how much it's gone straight into, like, comedy. I thought we was going to have a debate here. I, I thought, I don't know, I, I was willing to bet that you were going to go with Army of Darkness. I was willing to have this little discussion between two or Army of Darkness. And uh, yeah, I, I also agree that part two was the stronger of, of the two films. No matter how fun and lovable Army of Darkness is, just because it's fun and lovable doesn't necessarily mean it's the best movie and there's not a fault either way. Like there can be a better movie made movie and there can be a more somehow enjoyable film. Like it can exist and it's cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's too much else to say. Like there's so many iconic scenes in, in both of them, but like the, the scene in two where the, the hand becomes possessed and is just beating the shit out of him in the kitchen. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, part two is part two is just like the perfect culmination. It's the perfect middle child of the scary in one, the humor in three, and they just melded it so well together. It, it's to look at the Evil Dead franchise and completely ignoring the reboot. Like, what a perfect three film arc. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I. I would have loved to have gotten a fourth movie. I, I enjoyed the series for what it was, so I'm glad that that kind of ties up the uh, the story. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, I I enjoyed the games for what they were, the couple that I was able to play back in the day. So. What was that like? Uh, PlayStation Two, yeah. Xbox original yeah. era. Yeah. Uh, Fistful of Boomstick and. The good, the bad, and the... I don't remember, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my number eight 
was one that I had initially forgotten about when I was thinking of sequels, but then I thought about it and I'm like, yeah, this was definitely the best sequel in the franchise, especially because of how much later the later ones sucked. But Predator 2. Okay. Uh, like, when they went from Arnold Schwarzenegger to Danny Glover, I was like, that doesn't seem to be, you know... It's like, is, is Murtaugh going to be able to really carry, like, an, an action movie by himself, going from, like, Arnold? Uh, and uh, I think he did. I mean, I think the, the supporting cast was pretty much just really good all around. Like, I love Bill Paxton. Uh, Gary Busey back before he fucking went batshit crazy. You know, they added some cool shit to the uh, Predator uh, abilities and mythos, you know, and then like they set up like such a big reveal with the alien queen skull in the ship at the end that never was really effectively capitalized on in cinema. Um, yeah, I just really enjoyed Predator 2 way more than I thought I was going to back in the day. And I think it holds up pretty well when you watch it now, still. I. Okay, so what we talked about right in the beginning of this podcast was mood. When I reviewed that, I was not in a good mood, and it's a movie I need to go back and rewatch and enjoy it because it was better than I reviewed it. I know it was. Um, and, you know, I just want to say a few things about the cast. I mean, not only did it have those guys, but it also had Reuben Blades, who I'm such a huge fan of from Fear of the Walking Dead. Uh, had Maria Conchato Alonso, who is the main chick, I think, from Running Man. Um, Adam Baldwin, who's just awesome. Morton Downey Jr., and the th- cool thing about Bill Paxton is that Bill Paxton not only was in Predator 2, he was also in Tech Alien 2. Go figure, right? That's kind of neat. I never put that together until two days ago. Dude, I forgot Robert Davey was in it too. Yeah, man, it's just like... It was a really good cast. And it, like, I'm not going to say that the Predator itself had a bad cast, but you know, like, they picked actors and actresses for, for Predator 2 rather than just like bodies. muscle men you know, muscle yeah exactly you know like part of Predator's appeal is like the corniness between you know all of the, the bro bro chachos hanging out in the jungle kind of thing you know, Dylan. kind of stuff but um, yeah it, it worked I mean the only thing that kind of feels like a little dated is I don't know if you remember right around the time that it came out which was 1990 but they were using like Jamaicans as bad guys in a lot of stuff. Like there were a couple of Steven Seagal back to back, like Mark for Death and maybe right. for Justice. And and then this came out like right at the same time with the Jamaican drug lords as the bad guys. That feels maybe a little bit from that era. It it does, but I mean, have you ever really tried having a conversation with a Jamaican? It can be very frustrating. <laughs> I'm just saying, this is from personal experience. I worked with a girl at telemarketing, and I just could like, she would be straight up, like, trying to, like, first have, like, be nice, and I wouldn't understand, like, she, her, you see the anger, and I'm like, I can't understand your damn accent. Like, I love hearing it. It's a lovely accent, but I can't understand what the fuck you're saying. So I get it. They're the evil people. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it has one of my favorite Bill Paxton jokes in it too. So, I I feel this is a really appropriate time. I'm going to talk. I mean, I know we're going to talk about Bill Paxton later, but I'm just going to throw this out there. Wednesday, I rewatched Frailty. That movie still holds up, no matter how many times I watch it. That movie holds up. The only thing that gets me now is just. It's it's not super bad, but um, Kid Adams' performance a little bit. Okay, not Jeremy Sumter. I think Jeremy Sumter was Devlin. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was a it was a really good movie, and I like for being a first time director. Yeah, yeah. I I just and I realized there's so many little phrases and things that I have taken from that film. Like I've forgotten that like a lot of times I'll say, ah, oh, you're doing God's work. I forgot where I had even taken that from. And it was from that film and <laughs> Otis, my God, I used to call so many things Otis. Like, yeah, there, there's just a lot of cool things. And even though it has McConaughey, he's on screen for what? 10. I don't even know if it's 15 minutes, more like 10 minutes. I would say, but he did really good. Powers Booth is awesome. Like, it's just an overall cool ass flick. I think. Yeah, it was a really unique premise too. Yeah, and, and it was in an era where twists weren't thrown in every single movie. So when we did get that twist, it felt like something. Yep. So that's my Bill Paxton rant, or not a rant, just a little well, talk. We'll probably talk about it more later. Oh, I know we will. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So my number seven. uh, This one was one I was kind of torn on, and then I started thinking more about it. I was like, yeah, no, it deserves to be on there. Uh, Scream 2. I think the the weakest part of Scream 2 is Timothy Oliphant's character. Uh, Like, his whole fucking reason for killing people is like so fucking retarded it's not even funny and then immediately in the same scene you get the reveal of um what's her face that she's billy loomis's mom and she was manipulating him for the whole thing and it like kind of fucking just vindicates it for me what wasn't that laurie metcalf from roseanne yes Yes, thank you i always think of her as aunt laurie uh-huh um yeah i mean just the fact that they were able to, you know, skewer expectations in the first one and then take it one step further and skewer what a horror, mo- horror movie sequel is supposed to be in the second one. You know, uh, killing uh, Randy, you know, that that was like one of the big things. I was like, oh, oh shit, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, you know, I think, uh, I can't speak for everybody, but I think people were expecting, you know, him and Sid to hook up. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. You know, like Dewey showing up and he actually had repercussions from the first one. You know, like, I like that. Uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, there was a lot to like about it. You know, even some of the writing was smart, like the discussion in the film class about sequels. You know, I, like, not only that, I mean, crazy loaded cast like Scream had a loaded cast Scream 2 may have had a more loaded cast I think we had a discussion about this once about what was the best cast and, and I think we said Scream 2 probably was the best 
yeah, I, I think I think we came down to that because, I mean, of just like the extra little appearances, the Omar Epps, the Jada Pinkett, the freaking Lee Schreiber, Jerry O'Connell getting on top of a table and singing, which counts for like three. <laughs> but yeah, I really liked it. Uh, I haven't seen all of four, so I can't speak for that. But I think Scream Two was definitely stronger than Scream Three. Like, oh down. God! If anybody were to argue Scream Three over Scream Two, I would tell them to their face, "I don't value your opinion on films. Go away." And to go into my next one, I believe you said you haven't seen it yet. But I had Doctor Sleep for my number six. This is a regrettable omission from my list because I have I intended to, and then I got playing Streets of Rage four with Eric and beat that, and then I got playing Dungeon Defenders, and I didn't get a goddamn thing done today. So my bad. I like I didn't envy Mike Flanagan the task of having to try to to work in the Shining movie fans and the Shining and Dr. Sleep book fans. But he did a really good job. Uh, it ended up being different from the novel. I don't think it was bad, the, the changes. Like, I think it worked, probably worked better as a movie with the changes that they put in. Uh, but I just really liked it. I mean, I love Ewan McGregor. Uh, the, going back to the Overlook was fucking awesome. Yeah. I'm not going to say it was the best horror movie of last year, but it was really solid. Probably top two or three. Fair enough. I, I, I'm super excited to watch it. I just haven't done it yet. My bad. All right. For my number five, I have... Uh, I think this is going to be hands down the easiest one to pick for the franchise, but Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Yeah. Dream Warriors. Yeah. Yeah. It's just such a cool fucking idea. Like, this guy comes and kills you in your sleep, in your dreams, and you train to be like, for lack of a better word, like a fucking superhero in your dreams to try to fight him back against him. Like, I think that's pretty much just the natural evolution of what would happen in a Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. And they just, they did a good job with the the dream sequences for fucking some of the coolest ones, especially up to that point, since we only had one and then two uh, beforehand. Yeah, I mean, we had one. Yeah. yeah. They, were, they were still taking Freddy seriously at that point. He hadn't just de- degenerated into one-liners. It, it was the last time that Freddy really felt like Freddy before the evolution of Freddy, which is a, yeah. wasn't a bad thing. Like I also, I want to clarify to a lot of people that there's a lot of people that are like, well, fuck Freddy. He became just a laughing stock. And I say, fuck you. Okay. Because Freddy being funny was also awesome. So like, there's nothing wrong with humor. There's nothing wrong with the fact that we had really cool scenes and movies with badass scary Freddy and we also had good movies with funny Freddy like we got the best of both worlds like why can't people just be happy with that is beyond me just I, saying yeah I don't know I mean, there are lots of people who just aren't happy with shit 
I mean, I'm a miserable yeah. fuck, and even I'm just like, no, I completely appreciate that. All right. Uh, my number four, uh, and this, I shouldn't say surprise me, but this one was definitely one that, like, before I had seen it, I would never have thought that it would make a top ten. But the, the Devil's Rejects. Oh, like, wow. I didn't think this was going to make your list. Okay. I, I fucking hated House of a Thousand Corpses. And the fact that I actually liked Devil's Rejects as much as I did. I mean, it's like, out of the movies on the list so far, it's not my order for the ones I like the most. But The Devil's Rejects was like, probably out of... Uh, okay, out of my top eight, the most improved uh, from the first movie. Uh, you know, like, it gave me a story. You know, it gave characterization to the actual characters. You know, there was... Um, friggin' some pretty fucking good comedy in there to go along with it. It wasn't mindless violence. They gave you... You started kind of caring or at least noticing more of the characteristics of the main characters, and that was important. It was the important yeah. step in Rob Zombie's evolution as a director. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, the first one, it was basically just a bunch of vignettes of, like, how to be unpleasant to dumbass teenagers early and, uh, somethings, yeah. and this one you know like you said it, it gave characterization to you know to otis to uh baby doll to captain spaulding you know i love the line you sir look like you're gonna fuck that chicken <laughs> oh god yes <laughs> <laughs> i laughed so hard the first time i heard that <laughs> and it really does have one of the best uses of free bird in a movie ever so Oh, God, I, I can't think of a film that used Freebird better, even though many films have probably used Freebird. Uh, yeah. that, that's the one that will stick in my mind because they used, like, the whole damn song. Yeah, they did a good job with that. So, yeah, I mean, uh, again, before I saw The Devil's Rejects, I never would have expected it to make a top ten list for me, you know, about best sequels. But after seeing it, I was like, really good. And I haven't seen Three from Hell, so I... I couldn't speak on whether or not you know that would have been better i think you said it was good but not as good it was good it was probably oh god would you may like it better than house of a thousand corpses i i was also a big fan of house of a thousand corpses so i don't know if I think it's better, or it's probably right on the same level. It's just that I've only seen three from hell once, and I've seen House of Thousand Corpses say ten times. So a little bit of bias in how many times I've seen it. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, moving into my number three, and again, this is the other one that goes along with uh, Devil's Rejects. Like before, I saw the movie, I never would have expected it to be there, but The Purge Anarchy for me so the purge first one came out i was like oh that's a cool premise and then i saw the movie i was like that's a shitty execution you know it was i love ethan hawk i love lena hetty and it was just like this movie's meh and then i i saw the purge anarchy and i was like god they took like a shitty movie or a meh movie and they injected what the fucking thing needed which was frank grillo into the fucking uh, the mix and made something that I found enjoyable. And the fact that it wasn't static in one location, but they were having to move through this whole world during the uh, during a purge, I think lended a, 
itself to making a better movie too. It gave it some momentum instead of making it just like a uh, classic under siege type of movie. In in historical terms, I can't think of many bigger upsets in the world of cinema than saying, "All right, we're going to give you a movie with a decent premise with Ethan Hawke and Lena, and it's going to be f- significantly worse than a sequel led by goddamn Frank Grillo." That's a huge upset in cinematic history, but yeah, like. Frank was perfect for that. And the story was so much better. Like, everything was so much better for the sequel. Yeah, they fleshed it out, the mythology. I mean, they showed that it wasn't just, okay, let's let everybody go loose, but hey, we're going to fucking murk off some of our lower class population every Purge just to reduce population pressure kind of stuff. I mean, the Purge still lends itself to a whole bunch of questions and scrutiny when you get done with the whole idea of, you know, just 24 hours where you can do anything. But I think, like, the second movie, like I said, it just had so much momentum and charisma going for it that, like... Yeah, like, I can tell a movie is bad when I sit there during the movie and pick apart its logic or second-guess it or question why I'm there watching it. You know, even just okay movies, I tend to find myself lost in. And if it's a bad, just a bad end of okay, I'll go in after the movie's over and analyze it. But, you know, if it's really bad, it just takes me out of the movie and, like, my analytical part of my brain starts going, like, jingle all the way. I fucking... (sighs) When you went into into the film, uh, did... Like, your expectations were pretty bottom of the barrel, right? Yeah, I wasn't expecting much. Like, I had pretty high expectations for The Purge, especially because it was coming from Bloomhouse. I think it was, I want to say it was one of the first ones they did. Maybe not the first, but post-Conjuring, you know, in that yeah time frame. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and I liked the cast, and then I saw it, and I was like, that was one of the movies where I started picking apart, you know, the internal consistencies and the logic, you know, like this guy has a fucking, you know, works for a security company, has this sophisticated kind of shitty, but outer security thing and doesn't have like a fucking safe room in his house, you know, in case people break into anyways. Uh, yeah, it just, I didn't have very high, uh, expectations and it exceeded all of them. And, uh, I think I liked it just slightly better than Devil's Rejects, which is why it edged it out for the number three spot. Fair enough. Uh, then you got into the one after it, and I thought, like, okay, they took most of the formula, but they injected way more politics into it, and I think it kind of went downhill at that point. It was the next logical evolution. It wasn't, like fan-pleasing, but it really was the next... I still liked the third one. The fourth one went was was still okay, but it did go downhill, and I think there's a rhyme and reason why they didn't do another one, and they just did the TV show, which went even further down. Yeah, yeah I gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I didn't dislike the third one, but I didn't think it was anywhere near as strong as the second one. I agree. Second one stands out. 
And oddly enough, as I was doing research for this, I found out that I never did a, a blog on the third one. I have one, two, and four. No well, idea what happened. Way to be thorough. Yep, yep. <laughs> Dropped the ball entirely. All right. Well, to get into my number three. Um, two? Two. Thank you. Well, it is a third, too. I was kind of torn going back and forth between one and two, but one, one, you know, okay, for clear reasons, but my number two, and I, this might be a little controversial for some people, but The Exorcist 3. Oh, man. Okay. I really, I- really enjoyed The Exorcist 3. Um, the first one's fucking iconic. And, you know, it heads up a lot of the scariest movie ever lists. And uh, I can't say too many good things about the sequel. But, like, Exorcist 3 just hit a lot of right notes for me. You know, there was the investigative side with George C. Scott. And it was nice to see, at the time, a cop movie where the cop wasn't, you know, like Arnold Schwarzenegger or Bruce Willis or something. You know, he wasn't like a fucking big rugged action star just you know fucking going to town um there were some really cool callbacks to the first movie with uh you know father Karras, uh which if i remember correctly initially wasn't supposed to be that way i, I don't think, i don't know I th- anything about that i want to say i think that the like the gemini killer was just supposed to be the gemini killer and then like after pre-screenings they turned him into being a possessed version of you know, another version of Father Karras, his character. Um, oh. But, like, the... Like, you mix in the insane asylum and, like, the creepy old lady with the fucking gardening shears. Brad Dorf being fucking amazing. Yeah, Brad Dorf doing a good... Yeah, I just... I really enjoy that movie, and I don't think it gets a lot of credit. I think it's not necessarily that people don't like it. I just think it, a lot of people forget about it. Or never saw it in the first place. I did, I had long heard it was good. I had always heard Exorcist Two was bad. I never watched it, and I just never followed up on any of the sequels. And everybody kept saying Exorcist Three is really good. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. And I finally did when Scott Wilson died because I love Scott Wilson from any number of projects, but mainly Walking Dead and Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, and. I was so impressed by by that movie. I, I truly was. I didn't expect you to have it on your list, though. So it was a, that, that's a little minor upset for me, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad I was able to throw in one curveball. I, I, I mean, I think I know where number one's going, but... Number one is not as scary as its predecessor, but... Wait, wait, best. wait. Are we going to stay something like... Like cold, maybe another word for cold. Uh, maybe not. No. Okay. We're not gonna stay frosty. Oh. <laughs> oh, we are. <laughs> My number one is aliens. I knew Bill Paxton was gonna make a comeback. He was. I just. Like I love Alien. I think Alien is one of the scariest movies of all time. Face huggers, you know, mobile vaginas that'll choke you out and implant something down your throat that'll kill you. Scared the fuck out of me as a kid. I used to. I spent years sleeping with my covers pulled up over my mouth 
so they couldn't get me. Um, Aliens is definitely not as scary as Alien, but there are enough scary scenes in there that it's still a horror movie. And uh, just the the genre shift to an action film works just as well as like the genre shift for a co- to a comedy film did for Evil Dead 2. Probably better. Uh, it launched a bunch of people's careers, uh, acting-wise, behind-the-camera-wise. Um, I can't say that, like for example, Lance, Henrik- Lance Henriksen never did anything before, but I don't ever remember him getting headlining credits before Aliens, you know, before he was Bishop. And then you see him afterwards being able, you know, Pumpkinhead, Stone Cold, you know, uh, going on to Millennium and stuff like that. Uh, You know, James Cameron, I think this was the one that really gave him the cred to be able to do, well, combine that with Terminator, gave him the cred to be able to do whatever the fuck he wanted. You know, which led to The Abyss, which made a bunch of money, which led to Titanic, which led to, you know, so, I mean, you can just say a lot of shit owes uh, Aliens uh, credit just for existing. And this is how you do a female action movie star correctly. You know, Ripley Ripley has one of the best, not just being a, a badass, but like having a, a good character arc from somebody who wasn't to having to do what she has to do just to survive, to now there's somebody else who cares. Yeah, I mean, just a fucking awesome movie. All around. Isn't it kind of, I don't know, in my opinion, I think it's very sad in this day and age of women empowerment that Sigourney Weaver is not put much higher up on a pedestal because she was doing it and doing it well. Like, she was out doing LL Cool J well. Like... (laughs) Yeah, like she really was like Sigourney Weaver does not get enough credit and like when you give her the right platform she fucking knocks it out of the park consistently I don't know I feel like she should she she should be like the comedy equivalent like we got fucking Betty White for comedy we should have Sigourney Weaver for action movies for females that's She's I, just, like it's just such a well written part you don't need to tear down other chicks or other dudes, you don't need to have them throw down. She's not like a fucking marksman and never having picked up a gun. But I mean, she just, she wants to survive. She wants the other people around her to survive. She wants them to listen to her. I mean, like the scene where she picks up the fucking thing and carries it in the loader, you know, and they're like, uh, and she's like, where do you want this? You know, and they laugh, but they, you know, they, they acknowledge that, you know, yes. Okay. They, they underestimated her for being a civilian and for, it's just, and like Paul Reiser, as a fucking corporate villain scumbag, you know it led subverted so much expectations for my mind in Stranger Things season two when he didn't turn out to be playing the exact same character that he was in Aliens. Yeah, I would agree. Like, I it was intentional that they chose Reiser for that role because I'm sure a ton of people had that expectation. And then, uh, you know, Michael Bean, back when he was still a good-looking dude. Uh, Bill Paxton, dude, man. Like, Hudson Hudson is fucking awesome. All right, well, we're coming back from a minor technical hiccup. My bad. Um, it's, it's cool, dude. It's cool. I think, I don't know if you got me, but I was saying, you know, to go along with everybody else we were talking about, like, 
Bill Paxton in fucking Aliens as Hudson is like one of the best side characters in a fucking horror movie ever. He's got so many fucking awesome lines. And yeah, like that cemented me him as like one of my favorite, you know, not just act, but character actors. I mean, later on he would move up to full-fledged actor, but he, I think he was still in the character actor spot at that time. He, he was, and even, you know, even after his death, I'm still not sure if he got enough credit for being, I don't know, like he's, was it his talent or was it just that he was in great movies and he was great in those great movies? I don't know, but the man knew how to pick a, a role easily. Uh, oh, dude, he picked a lot of iconic roles. Yeah. Chat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, there's a lot to be said for Bill Paxton. And, I mean, hell, even I loved him in uh, Hatfields and McCoys. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot to love about Bill Paxton. So I'm glad to see that we're giving him some love in this particular podcast. Yep. And that's my top ten. I mean, I like I said, there was a bunch of others that I would have maybe made it if I had seen them, but we'll get into those later. Fair enough. Um, I mean, honestly, you know, my top ten isn't really a top ten, and anybody that's been listening to this knows damn well how bad this is going to end up being, but... Uh, we're just going to kind of... I'm, I'm going to say this. One thing that was on my mind was... I, I, I'm only rating this based on the ratings that I gave on the blog when I wrote the blog, which is not really necessarily accurate. But that was the only statistical measure I had to go basing it by because I didn't want to go with my, you know, my gut feeling. So... That's how I'm basing this. So anything that wasn't a seven or higher did not make my list. And man, that cut out a lot of good movies or good things in my opinion. Uh, so I guess that's going to be my honorable mentions before we get to you know my quote unquote top 10. Um, so here we go. Uh, honorable mentions. Really surprised you did not have this. I, I would have lost a bet. I thought for sure you was going to have 28 weeks later. Um, I Let's see. Uh, All Hallows' Eve Part 2. Um, Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness neither quite made the 7 mark, which I'm questioning myself right now is... Yeah. Um, Conjuring 2, I think, actually is a 7 or higher, but I've never officially reviewed it, and that was something I was supposed to do today. Didn't do it, so my bad. Um, Final Destination Part 5 is my highest rated Final Destination at 6.5. Didn't make the cut. Uh, Sad to say, Three-Headed Shark Attack did not make it. Uh, Dawn of the Dead, uh, Day of the Dead... Did not make it. Purge 2 or 3. Um, Sorority House Massacre 2 and Part 3, which was technically called Hard to Die. Both in that 6 range didn't make it to 7. Night of the Demons 2 and 3. Um, Resident Evil... Um, my highest rated Resident Evil sequel was actually uh, Retribution. I, I had that at 6.5. Didn't make it. 
Uh, Which one was that? Was that four? That was the fifth one. Fifth one. I mean, they're all, like, mindless. I don't know. I think, once again, I was, like, gleeful or drunk. So, Probably yeah. both. Um, Return of the Living Dead, I was sad to say, it didn't make the cut. Uh, part two, at least. Uh, part three and four were just horrible. Uh, really sad to say, Slumber Party Massacre 3 at 6.8 did not make the cut. Um, now, uh, Hatchet 2 didn't make the cut. There's two things I want to talk about before we get into my top ten. Um, one is Texas Chainsaw Massacre because the more I thought about it, if if we just said all of Texas Chainsaw Massacre was one franchise, then the reboot would have been up there. But I consider parts one through four its own franchise, and then the reboot had four movies. And I consider that its own franchise, so that's why Texas Chainsaw Massacre did not make the cut. So, just want to clarify that, because I, I kind of wanted to include it, but I, I just feel that the new version was its own franchise, that's all. And the other franchise that kind of was surprising to me was Children of the Corn. What a lopsided mess that is. Uh, but for entertainment value, I have part three, five, six, and the reboot is all watchable films. So didn't make the cut, but they were watchable. Uh, especially part six was my favorite. That was Isaac's return. That's all my honorable mentions. Okay. I think I just went numb. Considering how fast you listed them. But I got you. Okay. So, with that being said, there's still plenty to talk about because although you mentioned quite a few that are on my list in some form or another, there's still a bunch that aren't on my list because uh, I have a lot of ties. And I didn't do this intentionally. It's just how the scores came out. So there are some ties, and I'm apologizing in advance. Uh so this isn't even really a top 10. It's I have eight different places. So number eight, which I want to be number 10, but Clo- 10 Cloverfield Lane. Hmm, okay. I think that movie was freaking really, really, really good. I, I really liked all the performances. And although the ending wasn't anything groundbreaking, the performances, you know, I, I I do have a hard-on for John Goodman as an actor. I'm not ashamed to say that. Um, but I can't even remember who the other two main people were, but both of them were very uh, talented. It's Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and I don't remember who the other dude is. Yeah, I'm pulling it up as we speak. John Gallagher Jr. played Emmett, so... Uh, also, Bradley Cooper was a voice in it. I did not know that. Huh. I wonder if that was the voice of, like... In the very beginning, like, was she on the phone with, like, her ex-boyfriend or something? I... I do not remember. That's, going, that's what I'm going with. Whether I'm right or wrong, don't matter. Just being content here. But, anyways, that's my number eight. Uh, I don't really have much to say. I just really enjoyed it. So that I had as 7.0. 
Next up is movies I had at 7.2, which include Exorcist 3, which we already talked about. But I had another one at 7.2. And this is a movie I knew wasn't going to be on your list. But, god damn it. This is like horror movie cotton candy to me. Sleepaway Camp 2. And Part 3. Part 3 is excellent. But Part 2. Oh, my god. I, I Have you ever seen Sleepaway Camp? Like, have you seen any of them? I've seen the first one. I've never seen Part 2 or 3. Oh, my god. Part 1 just is only known for the penis twist, right? But, yeah. but Part 2 goes straight into campy 80s slasher territory with one-liners, great deaths, a little nod to Jason and Freddy. Uh, it has everything that you kind of expected from a Friday the 13th. Less scary, more comedy. Uh, it, it's just all, it's all fluff, but it's fluff really well done. And Bruce Springsteen's sister is the killer. Pamela. So... Yeah, she's awesome, and I highly recommend this. I think it's, I think you can still stream it on Vudu for free with ads, and it might be on some other streaming. Um, last I knew, though, it was on Vudu for free. Um, I highly recommend two and three. Um, part three has, I can't ever remember the dude's name, but he he's been on a lot of good stuff. Um, that I've seen, but are probably more or lesser known. Uh, he was in House of a Thousand Corpses, though. Anyway, he's a guy you'd recognize his voice if you heard him. But whatever. Moving on. Uh, I have three movies at the 7.3 level. Mm, one of them was on your list, and that would be Aliens. I had Aliens significantly lower on my list than you did. Uh... Which isn't a bad thing. I, I obviously enjoyed it. I just didn't have as high, and I can't really add much to it. It was kick-ass. It was fun. It was a really super fun movie. It was well-made. Lots of uh, phrases. Lots of great performances. It was a very good movie. Uh, now, one of the movies here should not be on this list. I reiterate, should not be on my list. I went back, I read the blog, I understand how I came up with the score of 7.3, but I reiterate, it should not be on the list, but I can't not take it off. ABCs of Death 2. Did not... See, I haven't, I haven't seen that, and I saw that a lot of people were putting that on lists. It, uh, you know, best horror sequels. So I, I, I don't have an opinion, but I mean, I did see that other people did like it enough to put it in top 10s. It really... Surprisingly, was I, I liked both versions. Uh, I liked both of them, and yeah, sure enough, I went back. I checked the blog. I was like, no, the numbers don't lie here, uh, and I was skeptical heading into that film because you know I, I just didn't expect it to be that good, and yeah, I liked it. So uh, that's in there, and um, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna appease old school viewers and listeners here. Uh, Bride of Frankenstein. Ah, okay. See, I tend to, to ignore the original Universal movies because coming from our perspective now, they just don't seem to fall in. Yeah, it's, it was a different time, man. It, yeah, but 
putting yourself back in that mentality. Yeah, people were scared by those movies back in the day. No, were they scared? I mean, Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein were just really well done films. Like, genre be damned, they were just really well done films. Um, uh, you know, I, th- I think, I think if we'd done this list, you know, 20, 30 years ago, I feel the Bride of Frankenstein would have been on a lot of top 10 lists. But. You know, most of the the fans from that time are, you know, not making lists anymore and making podcasts, believe it or not. So, uh, but I would definitely recommend it to anybody that's never seen the Universal Monster movies. Go watch a few of them. Like, they're entertaining. They really are. They're really good. And it's a good, it's good to know where the ideas for the movies that you see now. It's good to see the evolution. It's important to see that so you understand where it came from and appreciate it and maybe you'll feel a little smarter when you're watching modern day films and be like, I know where this is going because I've already seen what they did way back when. You know, just an idea. Okay. Moving on to my 7.5s. Oh god, I had a 7.0. Whatever. Alright, 7.5s. Cube Zero. Too generous of a score. I'm fully aware of that. I don't even see a rhyme and reason to get into it. I know I'm at fault here. It shouldn't be even in the sevens. I love the movie, but it's not that. It's not a seven. It's not worth it, but it's on my list because that number existed. One movie... Well, the other two movies, though, I think weren't. Ghostbusters 2. I... I don't like. I wasn't sure if you kept it off because you didn't think highly enough of it, or because it's a comedy far more than a horror. Uh, see, like to me, that falls straight into comedy. It's, it's like, I mean, it's it's Lord Vigo, Lord, Lord Vigo. He's called Lord Vigo. But um, yeah, no, I <laughs> I like Ghostbusters too. I know a lot of people don't. Okay. But I do enjoy them. Okay, I mean. I mean, if we're talking about scary, scariest sequels in that series, I would say the Ghostbusters 2016. But I'm I think I may rather have a testicle cut off than to watch that movie. Yep, that's where I'm at. <laughs> Fuck that movie. Yeah. So yeah, Ghostbusters too. Um, the other one I have at the 7.5, I have Scream 2. I will also say that I had Scream 4 at 7.0, but since we're only choosing one film from a franchise, Scream 2 is my pick. We've already discussed it. We've discussed it probably in like three or four other podcasts. Still, it keeps coming up, and we still love it. Yeah. But with that being said, you said you haven't seen all or none. I don't know if you said some or none of Part 4. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen all of Part 4. I've seen the ending. Okay, that's fine. I mean, the ending is exactly kind what... Of, kind of ruined it for I mean, like, it's hard to go back and watch the... You know Honestly, I, mean? I think if you watch, like, the first half hour, you'd be like, no, that's gonna be the ending. So, the ending wasn't... Like, okay, the ending for Sc- the original Scream was the destination. But by the time you get to Scream 4, you're just kind of in it for... See, like how they're going constructed, I think. Um, so, 
don't know. I, I still really like part four. Scream three is still the uh, ginger stepchild of the bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on. Uh, is a franchise... This is probably going to be the bulk of my conversation right here. Friday the 13th. Didn't hear a single one come out of your mouth. Very disappointed. But gave me... I know, I know you love those movies, but... I'm happy that you gave me yeah. some talking points, though, at least. So, <laughs> here was the thing. I went, I looked at my reviews. Now, Grant, I haven't reviewed 8, 9, 10. And I couldn't count Freddy versus Jason because... I don't know what the hell Freddy vs. Jason is, but I couldn't count it for anything. So Freddy vs. Jason just doesn't appear on my list because I don't know what it is. With that being said, looking back at Friday the 13th and when we had the most recent two, I've been, I would watch a few of the Friday the 13th. Um, and like, it's such a different experience from when I was a teenager to now, like when I was a teenager, I cared about certain aspects the blood, the gore, the tits. I still appreciate all that stuff, but now I'm also looking at some of the other things in the films. And I was shocked to say that some of the films are really actually well done, despite, you know, lower budget and, you know, it's the same old shit, really. But, um, part four stood out. Um, to me, with a 7.9. That's the one where we had, you know, young Corey Feldman. Um, that's the one where they were going to kill off Jason because I think they were going to kill off Jason at least two or three of them, but that was just one of them. That was supposed to be the final one. Um, there was just a lot going on, and Corey Feldman's sister was really attractive. A lot of the kills were good. Like by that point, they started up in their game on the murders. Uh, Jason was starting to get a little swagger. Uh, it, it worked, but I'll also say this: Part Six, I gave a seven point five. That's when Jason got resurrected by Tommy Jarvis, Corey Feldman's character for Part Four. He became like a supernatural entity, and he was a badass. And it's kind of, as much as I love Kane Hodder, I still think it's kind of a shame that the guy that played Jason in Part 6 didn't get the opportunity to return. Because he was a, yeah. he played Jason really good in 6, and the deaths were really good. The, uh, the spear that he used was a really good weapon. He was just a badass. And so six stood out and I always thought six was bad. Like as a teenager, I didn't care about six that much. And I didn't care about part three, part three's high up part seven's high up on my list. I all know Friday 13th. I don't know. I, I would say to anybody that's listening to this, if you think it's just the same old tired cliche ridden thing, I would really encourage you to give some of these a, a chance. Try giving like three, four, six, and seven a chance. You might be surprised at what you see. I was. That's all. I'm, I'm a huge Friday the 13th fan, but still, this surprised me. Now we get into the good stuff. Now we get into 8.0s, which I have three of them. Actually, wait, no. Yeah, three of them. Okay. I can read well. Uh, Devil's Rejects. We covered it. 
We all know I love it. I have my framed picture, uh, autographed picture of Captain Spaulding in my living room, and I like to look at it every day. I'm clearly a fan of the films, uh, and it really is just a freaking phenomenal film for what it is. And what's I'll say something that's interesting about Devil's Rejects is that if you talk to a girl that's a horror movie fan, at least 90% of them really like Devil's Rejects. I don't know. It's like a female-friendly film, I guess. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why it is. Uh, yeah, I, would, I, uh, I don't know if I would necessarily say it's female-friendly. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm saying from my experiences of females that I know that like horror movies, they all love Devil's Rejects. And I don't know. I find that kind of odd. But I think it's because of the humor and the characterization, the relationship between Spalding and Baby. I think it's like some part of it that's like endearing to the female. I, I don't know. I can't explain it, but that's my guess. Moving on. Halloween 2. How didn't that make your list? The, the, the original or the... Remake? The original. I, I was... Out of anything that didn't make your list, that was the most surprising one. I, I was very shocked that you didn't have Halloween 2 on, on your list. Uh, I think it boils down to me that slashers are my least favorite genre in horror. Huh. How are we friends again? Uh, Eric? <laughs> yeah, well, that explains all the fuckery. <laughs> um... Halloween 2, for me, is incredibly strong because it's the pinnacle of what a sequel is. It takes place directly, like, minutes after the first one. And it's just a direct continuity versus, you know, most sequels take place months, if not years, later. This happened the same night as part one, and that's awesome as hell. And that was also a reason why I wanted to watch the most recent Halloween, so I could compare it. Because I saw that on some top ten lists, which I attribute more to recency bias, but maybe it's a really good movie. I don't know. Uh, but Halloween 2 just really did everything that Halloween 1 did right, and... I thought they magnified it uh, significantly. Uh, uh, I'm not even a huge Halloween fan, but uh, I, looking at the reviews I gave, I did like Part 4. I liked Resurrection. I liked loved the reboot, but I didn't count the reboot. I gave the reboot an 8.3. I, uh, mm-hmm. Once again, reboots are, are iffy on how to judge them for this particular project, so I just didn't include them. Um, but Halloween 2, yeah, that made it. And here's the last one at the 8.0. Really curious why this wasn't on your list, because this isn't a slasher. I know you like it. Creep Show 2. That was that was close for me. Okay. But uh, yeah, it, it probably would have been like an 11. Okay. I, yeah, it's, that one's, yeah, the raft. Fuck, fuck the raft. Once, I think I may have Creepshow 2 a little higher than it deserves, um, but it was a childhood favorite of mine, and even when I watch it now, like I still get super happy like watching it. Just 
don't know, puts a smile on my face. I think it's really well done. And I still think part three is really well done, but it's really criticized. And now, because of the pandemic and lack of TV shows coming out, AMC is uh, starting to air the Creep Show series that was on Shudder. So I hope uh, if you didn't get a chance to see them on Shudder, now is your opportunity. Um, I mean, I still haven't watched them, and I have Shudder, so I don't know. I'm just an ass. Uh, so yeah, we have two more movies on my list. Uh, number two, Saw Two. Uh, I don't think I have much to add, and whatever I do have to add, I kind of just want to save it for the next podcast, like. We're going to have a lot to talk about for the Saw franchise. And, uh, fuck it, man. Like, all right, I had Saw 2 at an 8.5, 3 at a 7.5, 4 at a 7.0, then a 6.5, 6.0, 6.0, and a 6.5. So, like, I just love the Saw franchise. So I'm super stoked for the next podcast. And I was stoked for this podcast, so... Yeah. Like I'm just kind of happy. I can't I'm really excited for this year's podcast. Our topics have been good aside from the last podcast that we did, which had no topic. Oh, it was cool. <laughs> I mean, it was a good topic. Yeah, it was let's see how long we can ramble incoherently about movies that we've seen <laughs> in the past six months. It was a good topic, yeah. <laughs> um so and I think you knew what my number one was going to be all along, right? Uh, no, actually, I did not. Okay, well, nightmare. No, I sure. mean, consider, considering that you've had 65 fucking... 65? <laughs> <laughs> Close, okay? Close. <laughs> I mean, if I had known we were doing a top 65... Listen, listen I told you this morning, I said that I had three pages of notes... <laughs> I wasn't lying. <laughs> but you know what? At least I came prepared. You can't you can't critique me for coming prepared at least for once. I cannot. Um, but no, I, I yeah, no, I understand exactly why you're reasoning. Um Nightmare on Elm Street, I gave it a nine point two. It's my favorite horror movie of all time. Uh I honorable mention goes to part four because part four is an amazing f- I have part four to seven point nine. I think it's really great. And was which one was was that the Dream Master? Dream Master. That's right. That's when Freddy really and started getting his humor on before he was over the top cheesy. He said five was the Dream Child. Five Dream Child. Then Freddy's Dead. Yeah. Then New Nightmare. New Nightmare. I had at a seven point two. Like. That fr- There's a rhyme and reason why Friday the 13th, Halloween, and Nightmare on Elm Street are still considered the holy trilogy of horror as far as franchises go. Because a lot of their sequels still hold up pretty damn well. Well, they, they're fucking... They, Jason, Michael, and Freddy are just icons, too. I mean, they are Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. That, that's what they are, you know? Which one's Wonder Woman? Michael, because I think Michael's a little bitch at times. And <laughs> I mean, if anybody was going to use the truth lasso, wouldn't it be Michael? I'm just probably. Yeah. So, 
don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna say Freddy's gotta be Batman and yeah, and Jason. Superman. Yeah, I think that makes sense, right? <laughs> you know, one of the coolest things I ever read. I don't. I haven't been able to find it, but this. Uh, I think it was a dude did a, a fanfic sequel to um, Freddy's Dead, where because. Jason kicks Freddy's ass in the real world. Jason, Freddy pulls Michael into coming to fight Jason in order to uh, be able to get his head back. Okay, nice. And like Dr. Loomis shows up in it when Michael took it. was just, it was a really good job of uh, writing fan fiction that actually was good. And I read it once, like, I want to see. When did Freddy's Dead come out? Or not Freddy, uh, J. Freddy vs. Jason. It was like 2010, right? 2003. April or no August August third August fifteen or August thirteenth two thousand three yeah so I want to say I was probably reading this fan fiction from two thousand seven ish so if you can find some thirteen year old fan fiction about that good luck it was really good I I will I would love to read it because that's just my fucking that that's my lane right there. Like one of the things that the guy was suggesting too was like, um, like Loomis had done investigations into and like discovered that there were, you know, multiple like super powered, for like a better word, serial killers. You know, they kind of mentioned that like Jeepers Creepers, like the Creeper takes, was I guess located in Florida, you know, so like every 17 years, this it was just it was a really interesting take on like making kind of like a shared universe for horror icon movies, you know, and adding in a third one into the Freddy versus Jason formula. Nice. Now I have a question for you. I don't know if you'd be up for it. Um, all right. So like I told you, I spent a lot of time on this and I have a bunch of other film franchises and I was thinking right now we could kind of make this part one and part two kind of do like a little bonus take. It wouldn't be like an hour or anything, but like I have a bunch of like franchises. I'd just like to quickly like touch on them and see, like I'd like to know what, what they did that failed you or if you just, I don't know, kind of more of a quick hit thing than anything. Yeah, sure. Okay. So let's wrap up this and then we'll have a part two to this. Oh, and just, uh, I guess to hit up, since this is kind of in like the freeform part. Um, so I remember I had watched two movies also before our last one that I forgot to talk about. Oh, yes. Tell us. One was Brightburn. I don't know. Have you seen that? No, it, I've heard okay things about it. It was, it was a good, uh, I don't want to say slasher, but kind of like slasher horror movie um but i really think it lost out in the potential of what it could have been in you know corrupting the whole superman origin story like was it was the acting good yeah the acting was good i mean i just i think it was the the script yeah like they they focused on you know like a lot of gory kills Instead of, like, how creepy would it really be if there was basically evil Jesus who could fly around and melt you with laser laser eyes kind of shit, you know? Yeah, that, I mean, it's a good uh, 
hypothetical what if uh, it really is so not a bad movie but not a great movie there were definitely some some gruesome fucking special effects in it though worth a watch i'm assuming yeah uh, my wife bought it and i don't know if i would have bought it on blu-ray but i would would definitely say it's worth a rental if you haven't seen it okay i'm down with that and the other one and this is the one that i really wish i'd remembered i watched lake lake mungo okay (laughs) yeah and i know a lot of people love it i didn't think it was a bad movie but i didn't get the love for it so maybe you can explain to me like the hype yes considering it's like kind of like an unhyped movie okay lake mungo can you refresh me is it the australian film found footage yeah it's the australian found footage one about the uh the girl who dies yeah um so based on what you just told me um my opinion matches yours I thought it was overrated. Okay. It was high up on like all these recommendations, so I was, went and I it was on like Shutter, I think it was on something for, that I could stream. So I streamed it, and I was super excited. And like initially, I was like, okay, I'm kind of waiting for it, and just kind of got, I don't know. It by by the end, like I started off razor sharp, and by the end of it, it was just a dull blade to me, and I felt very underwhelmed. I was just, I kept waiting for like, okay, when is the, you know, where's this, where's the scary part? You know, what's, where's, what makes this a horror movie? And it was like one little thing. And I was like, wait, that's it. Cause the brother staged everything. Am I like, spoiler alert. Sorry, but that like, Oh, right. He, like, I think the, the long and short story is that like the brother staged a bunch of the stuff, but then like you find out in the end, towards the end that like when she was going to see the psychic earlier in the, you know, earlier in the time frame, you know, like the psychic ends up putting her in contact with like, she's, she's doing a thing and like, she's seeing a dream and like, she's in her room. And then her mom years later, you know, after she dies, goes to see the same psychic and she's like, it, the girl sense like, a presence in her room and the mom senses a presence in her room. And you can tell that like past girl is sensing her future mom you know, in there. And then like they find the one phone that she buried out there and it looks like she runs into her, like a dead version of herself. And that was kind of what like, uh, freaked her out to, but I'm like, I'm like that, that was really it. Like that was, that was the only fucking, it wasn't like, like the ring. Where yeah, I was like, for most of the movie, I'm like, okay, where is it? Where? Oh, holy shit! You know, there's okay. That's why people were fucking, you know, scared of it, kind of, kind of thing. You know, there, I was never. I got to the end, and I was like, I was still waiting for something. Well, I'm glad that you talked as much as you did. That gave me time to pull up my review for Lake Mungo, which is that you know we never pimped the website, but it's available at NineDeuce.com, and um. I'm looking at my review, and uh, I complain. I then say that's the gist of it. I truly don't get all the hype behind it. It was fine for a low-budget film, but I think it is quite disappointing by the end. 
Some will love it, but it wasn't for me. The acting was fine. My gripe is strictly with the narrative, which I was using that word before it became a cliched word that's overused all the goddamn time. And then I gave it a rating of 4.5, saying there is stuff here to like, but I only watched this a second time for review purposes, and I was truly bored during that second viewing, so... I don't. I, I don't recommend it. So, I'm glad that you brought it up though, because I had any, I kind of forgot that damn movie. I kind of remember you bringing it up at one point, and I don't. I didn't remember it being a negative thing. I thought you were like, eh. and then I remember maybe last year. I think Chris Stuckman did a review where he was talking about how good it was. So I saw it showed up on Tubi. I was like, oh, you know what? Let me let me watch this one. And then I watched it. And it was. Like I'm, I'm not upset that I watched it, but I don't understand like the adulation for it. It's it's one of those movies that there's, you know, there's a lot in horror because there's so many subgenres, and I suppose somebody that's really into that type of story, I guess I could see where that might take them to a different place than it took us. No different than my hard on for Friday the Thirteenth takes me to a different place that it takes you. That's well, yeah, I mean, your heart on is always going to take you to a different place than it takes me. So. I mean, it, <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know what Russ's mom's doing tonight, so. Oh, damn. <laughs> uh, God damn it. Good for me. Um, so those were the two new movies that you'd seen for you. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, before our last podcast that we had done. Um, I've watched... Well, I watched one new movie and one old movie, aside from Frailty. Um, I watched Death to Smoochie, like, last weekend. Uh, for the, uh, I mean, I've already seen it before. And I just want to say, it's, it's not a horror movie. It doesn't even belong to this conversation, other than to say that it was so nice to get to see Robin Williams. I don't know if I've seen a movie where he got to display so many facets of of his abilities in one particular film. He got to do so many different cool things and he nailed every single thing he did. Yeah, I miss Robin Williams a lot. Yeah. Like, I remember the first movie I saw that had Kenneth Branagh and uh, Emma Thompson in was a movie that Kenneth Branagh directed called Dead Again. It was um, kind of like a murder mystery. Also took a involved like past lives kind of reincarnation kind of stuff. And uh, Robin Williams played a uh, shrink who had lost his license because he was caught sleeping with some of his patients. And like he was, he's only in like a couple scenes, but he was so dark and so funny that, I mean, he was funny like he is in most of his stuff, but he was so dark in that, that it was like really different to see him coming from, you know, a, basically a kid to a young teenager's version of what I had been allowed to watch of Robin Williams, you know, his comedy and his child stuff and Aladdin. Up to Aladdin, the- Mrs. Doubtfire, shit like that. Yeah. You have this yeah. feel, you feel like, you know, Robin Williams. And then all of a sudden you get to see these other sides and he still nails it. Like most time you don't see somebody that's that funny, that eccentric, be able to pull off, these other roles that he was capable of, like just a tremendous talent that 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was at that point. I was too young to really have seen like Moscow over the Hudson or Good Morning Vietnam, and I don't remember much about the world according to God. Right. But, yeah. Same yeah. here. So, uh, yeah, Death is Moochie, really good. Um, God, I hope I'm not repeating myself. I haven't discussed Knives Out with you, right? You have not, no, and I actually just saw that too. All right, you want to share with me? All right, here's the question at hand. I'm not going to criticize the movie. I just want to say, ask this. Did it deserve any place in the conversation for film of the year for 2019? Here, Here's my opinion on Knives Out. I liked it. I liked it a lot. I don't think it was anywhere near the best movie of last year. And I wanted to like it a lot less because of what Ryan Johnson did to Star Wars. But to be completely honest, I couldn't say that it was a bad movie or that I didn't like it. And not lie. And see, this is why we're friends. We didn't know earlier, now we know. Because that's kind of basically the, what I would have said. Like, I liked it. It's someplace in the sixes for me. Not me, not a seven, I don't think. But still, like, you know, right around 6.5 to 7 range. Which means I really enjoyed it. But I'm befuddled by people that were suggesting that it was the film of the year or one of the best films of the year because 2019 was one of the best years for films in a long-ass time. I still haven't gotten through everything that I want to see from 2019. It's the year that keeps giving. I wouldn't wouldn't put it up against Joker. I wouldn't put it up against 1917. But, you know, it was... It was nice to see like a murder mystery that wasn't based off a book or based off of, you know, some existing franchise. Uh, you know, like I don't see how they're going to make it into a franchise, you know, and unless the only connecting tissue is, um, Daniel Craig, excuse me, Daniel Craig, but then why would you call it knives out too? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think you can call it Knives Out. I think you can bring back the character in a different titled film. But yeah, you can't call it Knives Out too. There'd be no real point to it, in my opinion. I mean, and the only other thing I would say is like it had a really strong ensemble cast, but it felt to me like some of them were wasted, you know, not utilized as much as they could have been. Yeah, that's a fucking understatement of the goddamn year. That, I, I, like... You could have easily replaced half of the known actors with nobodies, and it still would have been fine. Like, Jamie Lee Curtis, I mean, she didn't need to be there. Like, you you could have replaced her with the lady that plays Carol in The Walking Dead. You have missed nothing. No, I mean, Jamie Lee, Don Johnson, Tony Collette. uh, Oh, Tony Collette was wasted. Don Johnson was wasted. I love Don Johnson. Uh, Michael Shannon. You know. Oh, my. you know what? I'll say this. Michael Shannon belonged in that. I don't know. Without Michael Shannon, I think my enjoyment level would have gone down significantly. Yeah, I mean, like, I know our rating scales are different. I would have given it, like, a, a solid B. And, like, when I say B, I don't mean B-movie, like, with the negative connotation. You know, like, 
so good it's bad to watch kind of thing, or so bad it you know, can right. uh, uh, so bad that it may become a good. A and above but, uh, average. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm on board with that. I, I really am. It just it bewildered me that people were saying that it was possibly the best film of the year, and I sit there and I go, have you seen Joker? I just have to say Joker, because Joker is so far from everything that I've seen from 2019, is by far the best film uh, and the best performance of, of the year, but I'm still not through everything yet. So I, you know, I'm withholding judgment, but so far Joker's at the top for me. Yeah. I mean, my wife liked knives out, but even she, she was like, Joker was awesome. So, yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's wrap this up and then we'll do the quick hit bonus section or bonus episode. All right, so guys, we hope you had a good time listening to us, uh, minus our one technical stumble. We'll be doing a bonus podcast to, uh, for your enjoyment, possibly. Uh, and uh, like Kent said earlier, our next podcast that we're going to do is just going to be a deep dive into the Saw franchise, which I am looking forward to just as much as Kent, if not more. Wow, that's a statement right there. That is a hell of a statement. So you guys should get pumped, too. <laughs> Chris and Kent want to pump you up (laughs) if only I did the clap god damn it my bad it's it's hard to clap when you've had to saw off one of your hands in order to escape from a grungy basement with you know poisoned corpse in it yeah I agree alright we will be back well, you go, if you like this episode, you're going to click on the next one. You're going to hear us again very soon. So, see ya. <laughs>